Another radical episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And I don't normally use the word radical too often, but if you're talking about a skateboarding game, it's probably the right time to do so. And today we'll be talking about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, the PlayStation versions. But before we get into those games, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Uh, for some reason, I started playing Final Fantasy 14 again. And I, I haven't played this game in, what, four years? It's been a minute. Uh, the last time I played it was when, like, you were playing with us. Uh, I don't even know if you remember that. I do. We, I do. Uh, yeah, I start. They, they just did their big, uh, I forget what version it is, big patch that kind of streamlines the whole uh, 1 through 50 experience. And it kind of wants you to get to the expansions where I guess it the, the quality really shoots up. Uh, so I, I got on there, and I've just been trying that. And, man, I forgot how just it's a really good good MMO. Like, I, I always really enjoyed Final Fantasy XIV, but it is the weirdest fucking thing sometimes. <laughs> like, like it's just, I don't know if there's a lot of role players that play on these servers, or if people are just making their, their anime dreams come true inside of Final Fantasy XIV, but, like, in the span of two nights, I have been banned from the Bard community, mm. because I, there's a Bard community, I guess, and I didn't even know it existed, but I... I had loaded into one of these main cities and they're, you know, they're just packed. And at this point, like five, six years down the road, however long this has been out, like it just looks like a nightmare happening. Like everyone has these insane costumes. Uh, they've got, you know, their, their little pets and things that are just part of the whole characters by themselves that are doing things. It's just a mess. And so like I was over there playing with a couple of friends and I noticed a bard that was actually playing their instrument. And you can actually like play instruments in this game if you're a bard and learn it. Like a little, a keyboard comes up on the bottom of the screen and you can actually play. It's really impressive. But this guy was just playing like gibberish and it sounded like gibberish. It just sounded like you were squeezing a, a lizard or something, it was making that kind of noise. So like I was just sitting there next to him and I was like, I'm gonna play. I just now learned this five minutes ago. This is what you're supposed to do, obviously. So, like, I just started wailing on my harp, and this, this dude, he just, he, you just see him slowly turn to me to look at me. <laughs> and, like, I, I see, like, this thing on the, on the chat, just like, I'll wait. And so, I, you know, that just made me play more. I just, you know, just kept jamming on <laughs> buttons. And then finally, like, like, two minutes later, after just standing there looking at me, he's like, I guess I'll leave. So oh, he shit. Left. And then not two minutes later, 
I got a private message from him being like, I hope you're happy with that little stunt you just played. <laughs> I was like, what do you like? What my response was, I played masterfully. And so like his response back was, you know, what you've done is, is considered the biggest faux pas you could ever do in the bard community. Mm. And just know that your name is now out. Like you can never be part of this community. Oh, <laughs> and, I, and I laughed for like a solid five minutes because I couldn't believe that was even happening in this game. Like, it's just, I've only been playing for like a few days and, and that happened. And then today, like I was in, in one of the cities and like they were having like a play on a stage and they had like a huge audience, like tons of people still played this game. And like they had this huge audience crowding the streets, watching these people who were part of the guild uh, called Daddy's Hung. And oh, they Jesus. were just all up on the screen, hey. uh, up on the stage, just like dancing and doing this weird, like choreographed play. And I just, I just watched it. I was like, there's, what the fuck, Final Fantasy XIV? What have you become? What is this? Uh, so just by the sheer weirdness of it all, I have continued to play, and uh, maybe next time I will actually have uh, impressions of what it's like to still play this game, because otherwise uh, I've just been kind of soaking in the, the strangeness of it all. Uh, but yes, Final Fantasy fourteen is as weird as it possibly gets. It's like 2006-era virtual chat at this point. So if you're really into that, we're... We're we're on Adam and Toys. Uh, I think that's how you say that. I don't know, but that's the server we're on. We've got a guild and everything. So if you want to play with us, check it out. Uh, just know that you cannot be part of the Bard community. That's if right. Guild. That, that's going to keep a lot of people away. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, there's nothing I want to be in more than a Bard's guild. Although I did enjoy my time with Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, it's just it was one of those deals where I got to, I, I don't remember what level I got to, 20-something, and it got to the point where I just knew I was going to spend way too much time on it. And while I do like those games, uh, especially if we're working on things like this podcast or if I'm trying to do anything else, I can't put that much time into it. I, I just won't, because then I feel like I'm not putting enough time into the MMO, but I'm also not putting time into other games. So I, I decided not to play it, but I did see that their, their new update makes it essentially free. The trial goes all the way up to level 50. So if anyone was interested, you can apparently download the game and play it up to level 50 for completely free. Uh, which I do recommend if you like MMOs. I thought it was, you know, almost as good as I remember World of Warcraft being. Uh, but better in some ways. People didn't seem as awful. But again, I never pissed off any bards. Maybe that, that's the key <laughs> that made my experience enjoyable when I played it. Uh, I've been playing... Uh, I didn't think I was going to buy anything new for a while because I was trying to hold out. But Mortal Shell came out for the PlayStation 4. And when I first mm. saw it, it was like, oh, look, someone made another Dark Souls game. And then some friends of mine were playing it, and they were kind of like, actually, it's really good for what it is, and you should give it a shot. And I have absolutely no self-control. So as soon as I heard one positive thing, I was already like halfway to downloading it. It is, if you like Dark Souls games, Mortal Shell is exactly that kind of game where, you know, combat's really painful. Uh, if you make some mistakes, you don't dodge the attacks properly, you're going to get smoked. It's faster. It's not as fast as Bloodborne, but it's faster than a Souls game. And it doesn't have the length of a Souls game. You don't have to explore areas or nowhere near as large. You don't have to level up your character necessarily. There are, there are weapon upgrades, but even that is is streamlined. So it's, it's a lot more like if you really like Dark Souls, but you wanted to beat Dark Souls in, a, in an afternoon and feel good about it. Not that you beat Dark Souls in an afternoon and thought, man, 
I can't believe I beat this whole game in the afternoon. It's already over. Or that you've played it so much that you can blow through the game in an afternoon. I think if you knew what you were doing in this game, you could probably beat it in a couple hours. But it's it's hard like a Dark Souls. And, I mean, again, I like those kind of games, so I really do like it. I don't think it's as painful as Sekiro was, but it's pretty close. Uh, but much, much, much shorter. So I'm not losing as much as I did when I, you know, when you lose Sekiro, you have to go back through a bunch of, uh, of areas to get to that boss again or whatever. This is a lot more streamlined. I think there's only five bosses in the game total, and they're all based around one central hub. So that's been fun, uh, and it's been a way to fill up the time when I wasn't playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or other games for this podcast. But Billy, you missed our last show on Tomb Raider. Uh, so what have you been able to play if you've had any time? Oh, Jesus. I haven't had time for anything worthwhile. Um, I am back on the road. Uh, I haven't, I haven't brought along any of the old consoles yet. Haven't packed them up to take with me. Uh, so it's cut into it. So I've been, I've just, I've been switching it still, uh, pretty much exclusively. Uh, and most of the time when I, when I did have time, when I wasn't sleeping or just, you know, doing that old adult, just getting off work, sit there for about an hour, stare into nothingness. I, uh, I, I've been playing that cross code still. Um, I am many hours, many, many hours into it, uh, having a real blast with it. I have finally reached, uh, I guess one of the dungeons that, that, I was kind of warned about, uh, when I was reading reviews of it before I picked it up, uh, they said some of the dungeons, uh, got awful puzzly and, and some of those puzzles, um, aired a, a tad bit on the complex side. Uh, so I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling pretty damn smart after I got through the first couple of dungeons without any real issue. Uh, but now I, I'm finding that nothing is unsolvable. Like it's, it's, I, I'm refusing to hop online for anything on this one at all. And it's all stuff that I'm eventually sometimes just kind of lucking into, uh, but other times able to figure out. And it's great. It, it gives you that kind of that aha sensation uh, that, that you love in games. So I've been playing that most of the time, uh, putting, putting a good deal of time in that. I took a little uh, break from it uh, because I, you know how the fucking Switch is. There's stuff on sale daily and it's always something and i have amassed quite a switch digital library uh, and it's it's to the point there well it's starting to bother me a little bit so i i was trying to knock out a couple other games on there since cross code by all intents and purposes seems to be a very lengthy game i played the the long reach on the switch um and yeah, I mean, normally this was one I was kind of eyeballing to play maybe October because it, it looked like it maybe it had a, a bit of a horror theme to it. And, you know, it's one of those kind of 16 bit retro style side scrolling puzzle games. It, it's very reminiscent of some of the old point and clicks like, you know, Maniac Mansion and whatnot. And I, I gave it a whirl. It's a short game, about two, two, three hours, uh, you know, finished it over over the course of a few sittings. Uh, it's kind of game that, you know, back when I was doing the unemployed thing, I could, I could finish him one, uh, but a few sittings now knocked it out. Uh, really enjoyed it. Has a, a very bizarre story to it, but it's one of the few where I feel like they actually kind of explained it at the end. I, I didn't leave it angry at all. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, heavy cross code, 
And just, I, I think I'm going to continue doing that and just pepper in some of these other short games until maybe I've got that library down to where I'm at least completing more than I'm buying. That's a goal. That's a, that's a, a mark I try to hit, and I normally don't succeed. Now, Billy, while you missed our last show because you were busy, you did manage to be on another podcast that's actually longer than this one, but about walking sims. So I figured you didn't have to do any kind of prep. You just knew it by heart. Uh, what, I, I enjoyed listening to it. That, they were much nicer to me. Uh, that that's the that's the key. Um, yeah, you would be surprised um, how far a little bit of kindness would go. What um, the fuck was the podcast then? What was it? God damn. <laughs> I um I I did jump over there and uh, our our friends at Boss Rush Games. I joined them for a a lengthy talk on what remains of Edith Finch. Um, you know they they wanted to talk Walking Sims, and I always like talking Walking Sims. Uh, but it's one of those things when I start talking about those, the room clears out really quick. So it was nice to be able to sit down and kind of expound on that. Uh, for a little while, you know, just see how nice it could be to be appreciated. But I, guys, I came back. I, you know, I, I, I don't mind slumming it. So here I am. Wow, that's very kind of you. I do appreciate you don't mind slumming it. But thankfully for everyone listening, we're not going to talk about walking sims. In fact, there's no walking in this game at all because we're going to talk about Tony Hawk's <laughs> Pro Skater One and Two for the Sony PlayStation. I was so excited, um, and not just with the remake coming, but but when it was brought up about doing these games, because uh, I, you know, with all the remake hype, uh, was going to probably sit down and play through these old ones anyway. Uh, Tony Hawk series is one I have a ton of fond memories for over a, a number of years. I, I think from the time these were released, and, and I was just sitting there with uh, that same cousin I've mentioned many a time over, uh, that I played video games with, just sitting there late night, just fucking jamming these soundtracks, playing through these games, uh, usually with with no real goal in mind, other than just kind of top each other. Um, and it's still a game. Uh, several in this series, uh, we'll talk about the, the highs and lows, probably. Um, several games in this series still, up till a few years ago, uh, were, were getting pretty heavy rotation with me. Yeah, I was... Uh, um a big fan uh, back in the day of, of these two games. I, you know, I, I wasn't like the, the biggest skating person back in the day. So like the, when everyone was just like, Oh man, like Tony Hawk, like this is the, the coolest shit ever. It didn't, I wasn't just like searching, searching it out. I wasn't trying to play this game, but like eventually I, I decided to just buy it. I think I ended up buying it like on clearance. the first game anyway, put it in, played it. I was like, God damn, this is a, this is great. Like, this is not what I had ever thought a skating, a skateboarding game would be like. Just the way that this game flows, the the uh, the objectives, the stages, the music, everything was exactly what it needed to be right when it released. Because uh, it's it is one of those games that I think we've mentioned it before that it is just a a, a vacuum of certain memories and sounds and things 
that that make you relive uh, relive a very specific time and place. And the original Tony Hawk is is totally that game for me, along with uh, you know like we did Tomb Raider last last uh, podcast. Yeah, I, I had a lot of experience playing only the first game in this series. I don't know why I didn't follow up after. It's not like I didn't like it. I loved the first game, but it was definitely a game I would play with people. Like, we just take turns and hand the controllers off and, you know, try to see how many points we could get once we got the uh, the objectives taken care of in each level. But but I liked it actually played really well. You know, the previous skateboarding games I had experience with were Skater Die 1 and 2, and we covered Skater Die 2, and, um, and 720, which was awful. At least the versions I had on Commodore 64 was absolutely unplayable. So there weren't a lot of skateboarding games that I had experience with so when this came out the fact that it was you know a, a fully 3d game because it was playstation it more or less had to be but also it it was kind of open worldy uh in in i mean at least large enough levels that you could really really explore them and it was just a really impressive game that i thought played really well at the time so i played a ton of it and then for whatever reason i i never really i mean i think i tried part two uh, on dreamcast or something but I, I don't i never put a lot of time into it and then the other games in the series I just, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I played this before. They're fun. I have a million other things to play. I'll, I'll come back to it and just never did. Uh, so as as Billy mentioned at the beginning of this, there is a remake of 1 and 2 coming out uh, in the next week or so. I think the very beginning of September, if you're listening to this when it's new. Uh, and, and so we thought it would be fun to kind of look back at the first two to see what the originals are like. Uh, I watched a preview. I, I haven't played the demo, but I watched the preview of the new games. And it looks like, you know, they've taken the, the core of this game and really dressed it up pretty nice. Uh, it's not like just a, a remaster or a... A, you know HD uh, uptake or whatever on these it's a nice looking mm. remake completely of this game but it still looks like they have the right idea hopefully uh, this game came out in 1999 for the Sony PlayStation uh, developed by Neversoft and published by Activision uh, this was this time frame you know Jeremy mentioned this time frame this this really kind of fits a, a specific time frame this mm -hmm. is the kind of a so this game came out in 1999. Jackass started the next year on MTV, and it was that feel. Like, this was that kind of game. Skateboarding or extreme sports or dumb stunts. Like, the music that was in this game is very much the same kind of music that's in Jackass. So it's a bunch of, you know, early punk tunes all the way up to some, like, 90s fat record stuff. The second game had more hip-hop tracks and stuff in it, too. But it's all music from that time that I assume skaters from that time listened to. My experience with actual skateboarding was much, much before that. I mean, like er, mid-80s, mid and it was not like I was ever good at it. I was a child, <laughs> and I had a skateboard. <laughs> but I, you know, I tried, and I, I would never succeed and never got any better, and then never, never worked at it again after I was about 10 or 11. So, you know, my experience is all video game related uh, with skating at this point. But even the people I knew in, in real life that did skate seemed to like the same kind of music that's this game used so it you know if playing it now it i didn't remember all the things that were in it but it's literally my ipod just put on a game so i can't complain too much <laughs> the music in this game was perfect for me but i may not be the target audience of this music today did you guys ever go into like pack sun in the mall back in the day oh yeah oh fuck released? yeah oh, this yeah. is literally pack sun the video game because <laughs> yeah. like you walk into that store and like it's literally it was i don't know what it is now if it even still exists but and like back still, then it's it was, still there Okay, good. Well, it's yeah, probably it, um, not a bunch of skater shit like it used to be. No, I would say it also probably is in need of a, a reboot, much like Tony Hawk wanted to. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the soundtrack uh, is what people keep coming back to mostly. I think I think that resonates with a lot of folks, uh, so much so that there was a, an uproar about this remake uh, missing a handful of tracks. But, yeah, but this wasn't even music that I generally listened to. Uh, late 90s would have me heavily 
um, into into rap music at that time. Uh, before I started listening to just weird fucking blips and bloops and whatever other electronic stuff was out at that time. Um, but I, I, I dabbled in skateboarding a little bit. I considered myself decent in that I could stand on it and move forward for a long period of time without falling off. Um, I, I, I think maybe I nailed one, one little trick one time. Uh, this game, if nothing else, was pretty dangerous uh, because the thing we would do a lot is take the skateboards out after playing this. And yeah, uh, there there weren't any severe injuries, but I, I think this game helped me. Um, someone, you know, this is the part where some people will credit this game with making them better. I think this game helped bring me back down to earth and realize that, that physical skateboarding was, was never going to be for me. I blame this game and Jackass for like, like 10 years of my life being how it is like me and <laughs> like the, these two things combined just made my twenties, like I, I guess late teens and, and most of my twenties mm -hmm. uh, into what they were because me and my friend Ronnie, like that's all we did. We watched Jackass, CKY played Tony Hawk, mm -hmm. you know, we, we lived that dream uh, to the point, you know, where we were out going, m making these dumbass videos of, of like him skateboarding into like sides of semi trailers and things like that. <laughs> um, his career as that, uh, as doing a, a, being a jackass performer ended when uh, one night he jumped off uh, the roof of an abandoned Hardee's and uh, <laughs> like broke his ankle on the way down. So we, that was that, Damn. but we did so many things and like, that was just all because of this game and this, like the music and, and that whole culture at the time, uh, it's just weird to think about now, but yeah, that was like, this game was, was really a big part of that. Just a, a huge stepping stone in that skate skateboarding culture being what it was in the early two thousands. I would say that I have the same situation, except I can't say I've ever gotten out of there as our intro would lead you to believe I've never really changed <laughs> from, uh, from 1999, but this game was a lot of fun and it let me do something I couldn't ever in any other way do, which is, you know, try to learn how to skateboard, at least in a video game. At that point in time, there was no chance of me picking up a skateboard and learning it again. Uh, when you start this game out, you have several options. You can play a two-player mode, you can play a free skate mode, but the, the mode I played, and I think most of us played the most, is the career mode, where mm -hmm. you get to pick a skater. There's ten different real skaters, including uh, Tony Hawk, obviously, uh, but also you know Bob Burnquist and Kareem... Kareem Campbell, and, and a bunch of other folks that I didn't know at the time, and I only know through Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, but they're all real skaters. Uh, you can pick them. They have slightly different stats as far as their speed or their control, and you know, at that point, you can pick a board, which is really just for visuals. You can unlock more boards by getting farther and farther in the game. You find these videotapes and levels as you unlock those. You get more boards and also more places to skate and do uh, you know, and play the game. So once you pick your skater, and I always pick Tony Hawk first, uh, just yeah, why not? It's Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And, and then you pick the board you want, and then you're off. You go to the first level, which is the warehouse in Woodland Hills, and this is where you come up on, which it's a fairly good-sized level. It reminds me a lot of, you know, we, we talked about Twisted Metal 2 a little a few weeks ago. And it's kind of levels that are big like those levels. They aren't cities, but if you imagine the car instead as a skater and everything else was to scale, these levels are about on size with the Twisted Metal levels, except instead of being, you know, driving through a city for the first few levels, you're in a clearly what is like a skate park. So there's ramps everywhere. There's pipes and stuff for you to do slides on. It's set up like an, a realistic skate park. And it may even back be based on a real skate park. I don't know. 
Uh, the game controls fairly straightforward. When you let go of the controller, if you're doing anything, your character, I'm just going to say Tony Hawk. It doesn't matter who you pick, I'm going to say Tony Hawk. <laughs> so uh, Tony Hawk will, will skate forward and slowly uh, accelerate up until he gets to his top speed once you are just not touching the controller. You can steer with the cross pad, obviously, and the X button jumps. If you are on uh, like a ramp or whatever, and you want to not do a jump, if you hold up, he'll you know go up to the top of the ramp and then kind of ramp over it so you can keep going straight. Otherwise, if you hit a ramp or anything else, you'll automatically jump, and then you'll be able to do some tricks. It depends entirely on the speed you're moving at the time for how, how high you'll jump, and then how high you jump will determine how many tricks you can do, how many spins or whatever uh, that you want to do as part of your trick. And to do tricks in this game, it's extremely easy. You just hold, I, I want to say it's square, or, or triangle and you push directions in the air and you'll do a bunch mm. of spins depending what direction you push it'll be the same you know each direction is a different move i think you have eight moves you can pick from that way and in the the rest of the level is just finding these ramps and things to do tricks on do as many tricks as possible to get a high score and there are kind of some objectives in each map that you're supposed to be doing as well you have two minutes for most of the regular maps where you have the objectives and it's, you know, it tells you at the very beginning what those objectives are. So in the first level, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. In the first level, the five missions are to get 5,000 points, which is fairly straightforward. Just do some tricks. Even if you fail at half of them, you'll get 5,000 points. No problem. Uh, there are five stacks of boxes that you just have to drive through them, and it marks off as you do them. Hey, one box, two box, three box. Once you hit all five, that earns you uh, like a tape. Uh, get the letters for skate, S-K-A-T-E. Uh, there's a hidden tape, but it shows you a little picture of where to find the hidden tape. In the first level, it's fairly easy. There's like a, almost like a viewing box at the top of two of the ramps, and if you can jump off of one and slide, you know, slam through the glass, you'll find the tape up there. And then the last tape you can earn by getting 15,000 points, which again is not incredibly hard. It's the first level, but that's where you're going to have to kind of learn how to land these tricks. You can't do the same one over and over again because the points become less and less mm -hmm. as you do the same trick. So you've got to kind of get a routine that <laughs> mixes things up a little bit, just like an, an actual. Uh, skating competition to get those points ones. Otherwise, you're just kind of exploring the levels as a skateboarder to try to find the, the boxes to smash, to get the level the letters for skate, or to find the hidden tape. So even if you're not just into doing tricks, the part where you explore through the level to find everything is also super fun. Mm -hmm. and, and my hat's off to them on the controls uh, for these. Even uh, from the first game, I thought this game just had incredibly tight controls, and it's one of those that looks... Um, a little intimidating, maybe, when you first see it. Because, yes, you, you have your button to, to crouch down to kind of pick up speed and the jump. Um, you know, one button and directions are dedicated to all kinds of, you know, kick, uh, kick flips, other things like that. Uh, another button dedicated to, you know, any kind of grab moves you're going to do. And, you know, and you, then you have your button for grinding uh, over rails or whatnot or top of ramps. Uh, and it's all done like when you hear about the the kind of sheer amount of moves you have kind of your disposal and all that you just uh, you have the feeling it is going to be a, a complex series of button presses but they have really uh got it narrowed down to to where even just kind of fooling around the first time playing through you're going to be able to nail um, a few moves, uh, you know, stringing together a, a, a impressive combo, you know, getting up enough speed to, to hit a few tricks in the air and coming down. And some of the more advanced combinations, things like that are going to take a while. Uh, but, but I just love how on this game, anybody that gets on there and just kind of fools around, 
uh, is is instantly going to be able to at least hit a trick or two. Um, and it just it does a good job, especially that first level, that that kind of warehouse level uh, just has everything you basically need. There's all the basics you're going to encounter. You got a little rail for grinding. Uh, you got your ramps. And I think that's just a perfect uh, introductory level. And, and this game does such a good job of letting you just get out there. Uh, they're not holding your hand at all, but at the same time, you don't feel like you're you're being asked to do too much un until you really learned it. And I think like this level, this warehouse level and, and the schoolyard after it are basically just the most, the big iconic levels uh, of Tony, the original game. Like everyone has played this warehouse level at some mm -hmm. point in their life. I don't care if you've never played Tony Hawk, you've somehow played this level. Yeah. It's just one of those one of those levels. Uh, but yeah, as much as I talked shit about Tomb Raider in, in the last episode about how long it took me to to just get the controls down and and like do anything with her, uh, I coming into this, I was kind of almost expecting the same because it's been a damn long time since I played Tony Hawk on the PlayStation. Uh, but this game still feels solid. Like it just, you know, even for a PlayStation game, just jumping into this, it took me, uh, you know, maybe two or three minutes to remember the buttons and, and what I needed to do. But it, it was the exact opposite of coming into Tomb Raider where I was just fumbling around and, and had to relearn weird things. This was like, oh, okay, this is how, you know, everything just does what it needs to do when you do it. And it feels really solid every time you do it. Uh, if you mess up a trick, it's your own fault. And that's the whole mm. point of this. It just feels like you need to learn what you're doing. And whenever you learn to do it, you can do it perfect every fucking time. Like, that's just how how good this game is. And even with, like, all the moves that you were talking about, all the complexity, this game doesn't have to ever be that complex. You can mm -hmm. make it as simple or as complex mm -hmm. as you want to. Um, you know, you can just grind around, do a few kick, kick flips, um, you know, Indies, things like that, and you're good to go. You can probably beat 90% of this game, uh, you know, just doing those things. Uh, but, you know, if you really want to get into it and learn all of those moves, learn all the combos, do these incredible strings of, of moves across a level, you can do that, and it's there. Uh, it's just one of those games that's just uh, incredibly accessible no matter what, what you want to do with it. Mm -hmm. The controls are super easy. Um, you know, like I, like you guys have said, it's you think it's going to be complex because you have all these moves to do, but really it's holding one of three buttons once you're making a jump or whatever and holding directions. And the rest of it's timing. Your character, if he's doing, you know, a, uh, some kind of, of like flip thing, as long as his board is going to land on the ramp correctly, that's all you need to, to really time. And the more spins you do, the, the more rotations of your trick, the more points you earn. If you're doing uh, like a kick in the middle of it, a little kickflip thing in the middle of it, that all earns you extra points. And again, you want to mix it up to keep the points going. If you keep doing the same trick over and over again, it's not worth very many points. So, mm -hmm. but but it's all really about timing and knowing. Okay, if I'm this fast and this high, I can do you know a, a 720 on this. Otherwise, I can only do two spins and that's it. You know, like it's it's really. It, it's really intuitive once you start playing it. You don't have to know anything about skateboarding. You don't have to know anything about, I mean, obviously, I don't know shit about skateboarding. Listen to how I'm explaining these tricks. It's all just hitting <laughs> directions on the controller and the square button once you've made a good enough jump to have some speed. And other than that, like I said, it, it was about, for me, you know, those tapes that you earn on each level, 
they're all those little objectives. So for me, it's like a checklist that I just want to go through on every level and get all five of those tapes. And you don't need to get all the tapes. If you don't want to get the high-scoring tape on each round, you can still get through the entire game pretty much. Uh, I think the, mm-hmm. the first level, you earn five tapes in each level or medals because there are some levels that are just skate-off levels. And, you know, for example, the first level... Uh, you can just play from the start, obviously. The second level, the school that you mentioned, Jeremy, you only need two of the tapes from the previous level. So you could have gotten skate and boxes, and boom, go right to the school. You don't have to worry about getting high scores. You could have never learned one trick, just how to kind of keep moving forward and knocking stuff over, and boom, you can go explore the school. Uh, you mentioned the school. I think the school is my favorite level uh, of the mm. game more than maybe because I played it the most, but also it's a good size level. It's outside. It's not a skate park. Yeah. There are ramps and there's like you're you're going through empty pools in the back of the school and stuff. But there's also just that it's so big. You can you can find that auditorium area where there's a bunch of ramps in there. If you want to play it, it's just straight ramps and go for points. You can also explore the whole school. You can go on top of the roof of the school. Like it's a huge level, a huge playground level where you can, you know, slide on on every rail on all these these extra paths that kind of go around parts of the school uh, the missions on there are the same kind of thing you have two scoring missions there's also a grind on five picnic tables get the letter skate obviously and then the hidden tape in this one which i actually did not find uh, i'm not sure i could could look online for it but i didn't find it and that's okay because i had nine tapes at that point i could go on to the next level which w- the mall only took five tapes so i mean i was in well in advance of all the tapes i needed to get very very far in this game without really mastering uh, all the controls that would give me the highest score on every level. And that's okay. I mean, there was some that it, it seemed really easy to get their amount of points, and then there were other levels where I was like, man, I am just, the space I need isn't here, or like, I don't know why the pools for me were difficult to kind of get that momentum going, as opposed to just a mm. straight half-pipe ramp where I was able to kind of do that without any problems. But the it, it's, it's completely as it, kind of up to how you want to play the game, like Jeremy said, which I think is really fun. So you don't have to be just out there trying to nail tricks and get those points the whole time to really enjoy this game. It, it's it got many different ways to play this just to see the whole game. So after you finish uh, the school and the mall, uh, the next level is a skate park. And sh- I'm sorry. You have Woodland Hills and then the school. Uh, there's a mall, which is another open level like the school was. Uh, then there's the first skate competition, the skate park in Chicago. Uh, there you have basically three rounds, and it picks your best two scores to go up against all these other skaters. And if you get you know, first three places, you get gold, silver, or bronze. And as long as you get one of those medals, you can unlock the downtown Minneapolis area. Uh, and then from there you go to Phoenix, Portland, Francisco, and then the last level, uh, which I did not make it to this time. Uh, you need to earn 26 level, 26 tapes to even see what the last level is. Uh, I did not get that far here again. It's been years since I played this, probably since 2000. So I, I was I was just enjoying playing through the game, uh, and and just again, it's it's fun to explore these levels. It's fun to mm-hmm. to see what tricks you can do. Um, I, I didn't put the amount of time into it I would have, you know, in 1999. So I didn't pick any other skaters. I didn't really fool around with the board setups. I was just excited to see what was in the levels. Oh, yeah. And, and that's that's the joy of it. Really, uh, those levels, uh, even back then, and it is impressive still. Uh, I, I remember those levels just being just these sprawling levels back for at the time. And going back, I was like, yeah, well, we'll see. That was the thing I was the most curious about, especially um, uh, one and two are not the ones I usually go back and play. So I ha- it's been a while since I clocked in time on those. Uh, so I was impressed coming back to one uh, at, at just how much they manage to do in these levels and how much they're uh, how much they pack in. That, like there is very little laid out in levels, um, you know, whether it's a trash can or a ramp or anything at all. There's very little in these levels 
that is that goes to waste. Uh, they do a great job of if it's there on the level, uh, chances are you can you can grind on it, you can do a trick off of it. Uh, they they waste very little on there, and I really admire that. And yeah, uh, just exploring the stages. Uh, is definitely the funnest part. Uh, I loved as you unlock stages in career mode, you can go back and in free skate. And that was where the majority of my time was spent uh, back in the day was just getting on there. And it seemed like every time I play, you know, you would find just something somewhere else. Uh, this was a game that, that never really got old uh, because you would, you know, learn different spots to pull off these tricks and, yeah, it's it's just one of those that going back, I wasn't quite sure uh, if I was going to be impressed or not, but but I sure was. Uh, the layout of these levels, especially for this to be the first first game in the series, I I felt like they had already nailed so much. These levels are so well designed mm -hmm. that it's just it's crazy. Like whenever you just go in and think about like what they've done and you know how how they played this so so many times and tested it and be like, all right, we've got this here where you can grind on. Maybe it'd be cool if we just had something right here so that they mm -hmm. could jump from that, continue their grind combo into this over here. Okay, let's put a, let's put a ramp over here. They can do that. The whole level has just been designed like that. And it's crazy. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time to even make something like that as custom parks would show later on that not everyone <laughs> should ever be able to make a, a skate park uh, in, in Tony Hawk games. But yes, these these uh you know especially Tony Hawk one and two, uh, I think they were at the absolute top of their game with being able to design some of these stages and just you know figuring out for yourself how to you know how to flow through these levels and continue your continue your combo and and all the moves that you could do to to really open up your score and things like that. Uh, it's it's just it's pretty amazing uh, for what for what they did for the time. Like you just mentioned, not everyone should build their own levels in these. Mm -hmm. And Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 came out one year later in 2000 for the PlayStation. And they, in fact, added exactly that. So not only are all the modes from the original game there, there are more skaters. Uh, each of the levels that you come through through career mode, uh, there are ten objectives instead of five. And instead of getting, giving you tapes for those, it gives you money. And then you have to have, to have so much money to unlock the next board. So it's the same idea. They just kind of mix it up and gave you some more objectives, which for me is great. That's twice as much to do. But they also gave you the ability to build your own skate park. They're not huge. The skate parks you can build are about the same size as the, um, I'd say even slightly smaller than the, the, the challenge championship levels where you have to go for just score uh, against other skaters. So you can, I mean, it's, it's a big giant rectangle and you can put everything in there. It gives you a whole bunch of, of ramps and pipes and posts and everything else you could want to put in like a warehouse level or you could set it to be the school or I think it's the outside but either way it all looks exactly the same it's just a different paint on those same squares and it's it's really involved the things it lets you put together again it's it's hard to make that make sense and it's real quick to see why a lot of people shouldn't do their own skate park much like if you played Mario Maker now you can see that 99% of it should not make Mario levels and i think this shows the same thing but the fact that it's in there and it's so detailed is pretty impressive mm -hmm. yeah and, and definitely i tried my <laughs> i tried my hand at it again um are you just messing around this time i i don't recall ever creating something 
that was any good at all. Like I, it was always made with just like, all right, here's one big focal point here. Uh, but the rest of my levels were just always, they were fucking piss poor. Uh, and, and I was just messing around with it now. And yeah, um, I mean, if you're able, it's there for you to make something <laughs> impressive. I, I don't think they really, you know, skirt around giving you any crucial elements or anything like that to, to create a, a great stage. But it is, it is very difficult. Because um, like Jeremy was, was saying before, um, especially if you want to keep a combo going, which they did introduce manuals in this one. Uh, which would go on to be a, a goddamn lifesaver in every other Tony Hawk game uh, when you're trying to keep a combo going. It's just a, kind of a, a, another way of traversing on, on the ground, on the skateboard, which still counts as a trick, but you were kind of able to move from one obstacle to another if you came up short on something or, or something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, but just... Mess around on there for a minute, and you will you'll get an appreciation um, for just everything involved with making sure the levels are fluid. And, and I wasn't able to do it myself, but I was so happy to see that that and to create a skater, um, you know, because I was really big. You know, the smack the WWE the SmackDown games were out at this point, and anything that let you create somebody. Uh, I would spend hours creating characters on SmackDown. So whenever this came around and I had the option to create a, a skater, oh, I was all over that. Uh, the, the the create a park thing is the absolute worst thing that's been added to this game because it tortured me for probably a year or more. <laughs> of My friends who all thought they were game designers in Tony Hawk would uh, endlessly be like, check out my custom park. Oh, yeah every time I'd go over and like they had endlessly like, you know, probably for hours made this park, this abomination mm -hmm. of a skate park. And like, they were just like, all right, let's play. Let's, let's go, you know, try it, try it out. What do you think? And just, I just, man, it was, it was always terrible. I never enjoyed playing it. And honestly, I, I never uh, really enjoyed making my own skate park just because I knew I could never make anything better than what was already there mm -hmm. anyway. But man, there's a lot of people that really enjoyed that. Like, uh, still to this day, there's there's a lot of people I, I talk to that's just like, man, you remember we could make our own make our own skate parks. And it's like, yeah, I do. But yeah, it's, <laughs> that was a that was a really cool thing that they threw in. Uh, but these stages overall, like the main stages, I think, have been greatly expanded uh, into what you can actually do with them. There's actually way more like uh, hidden areas that you can find, like areas that you can bust through uh like it, it seems like the largest area in in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 is maybe like twice as big as what it was in in Tony Hawk 1 um at least from from what i could remember anyway well that first level uh, i mean not only do you have another kind of introductory level instead of the warehouse it's a hangar but like you said you can break through after the first couple times through all of a sudden if you angle off at one point where you can see a window you burst through and oh this level's twice as big as i thought it would be because there's mm -hmm. a whole other half of this hangar and yes it's not huge i mean compared to the school even it's small but it's bigger than the warehouse was and it's it's a neat kind of introduction to what they're going to add in tony Hawk pro skater 2 the other thing you'll notice from the get-go is the control 
even though the first one had good control, it's definitely refined in this one. I thought it played a lot smoother. Again, the mm-hmm. first one did not play badly at all. But I think if I would have played the second one first and then the first one, you'd be like, yeah, that second one is a little better. But I was surprised at how much tighter the control is on the second one. Um, Billy had mentioned it in passing. There is a create-your-own-skater in this, which wasn't in the first one. I also like that, uh, especially because they've also changed kind of what you can do with the characters. So in the first game, you just picked a skater, and then the only thing you really changed was the board setup or the wheels. In this game, you actually have stats you have to allocate to your characters, and you get to decide which moves that you know the square in different directions do. So you can make a, your own skater or take one of the existing skaters and completely change up the, the move set of what they're going to do. Again, it's all skateboard tricks. So for me, it didn't matter what trick it was. But if you were into skating, if this was your thing, you could make a character that can do all the moves you knew how to do. Like, it's really cool the amount of time you could put into not just making a skate park and your own skater. Uh, I mean, it, it's just without even playing the game, just adding those two things to the first game would have been a big deal. But then you add in all these other levels that are, again, bigger and generally better put together than the first game. It, it's a much, it's a great improvement on the first game, and it only came out a year later. Is this the one where you can unlock Spider-Man? This is the spot. This is, yes. All right. Around the house, this was known as the one with Spider-Man in it. All right. Well, that's all you need then. Spider-Man. Uh, just going around these levels is is really it. I I couldn't remember if that one if that was in that one or if it was in Tony Hawk one, but I guess it had to be in two. But yeah, like just all the, uh, uh, the uh, you know the secrets and stuff that they've added into this one and like the hidden characters and things like that. I think you could play as the NeverSoft Eyeball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was in two. But uh, just I remember just months of, of video game magazines continuously having. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 in the hint, the cheat section or whatever, because everyone just kept finding crazy new stuff. Uh, and it was always just kind of fun to keep up with that and see what they found. Well, I have no experience with the later games in this series. Um, I, I know that they've they put out another eight or nine of these things uh, just when it was still um, when it was still Neversoft. And then another company took over for like the PS3 and Xbox 360. So I don't have any experience with any of the other games in this series after the first two. Uh, do you guys, did you guys play through these? I know you said before you kind of remember some of the later ones. Oh, I, you know, one through four, absolute gold. I, I thought, um, I thought that that main core series of one through four, I think um, three was okay. I, it, it was more of the same. I thought four was phenomenal. Uh, and still, out of those four original Tony Hawk games, uh, four to this day, it, it probably still my favorite there. Uh, and then they went to Tony Hawk Underground, uh, which uh, Jeremy said before, you know, Tony Hawk and, and Jackass were kind of both big at the time. And this is when uh, the two pretty much melded together. Uh, not so much in the first Underground. I thought the first Underground, for me at least, is the pinnacle of the Tony Hawk games uh, in terms of how it controlled all the crazy secret shit in it. uh, The levels, uh, it it had a much more robust story mode to it. uh, And actually, uh, you know, a pretty damn good story, uh, a good bit of humor mixed in there. Uh, And then for me, uh, it was kind of downhill after that underground two is when it, officially just went too fucking ridiculous and the focus i feel like got off of skating at that point and personally i don't think they ever really got back on track 
I yeah, I'm the, I'm the exact same way. Like I, I really enjoyed uh, one through four and underground. Like I think that was a natural progression of what they needed to do with yeah. that game. Like yeah. kind of opening up to this, not open world, but you know you can get around and you can accept quests from people, mm-hmm. and you know that's your goals. I think that's that's totally what that game should have become, and it did. Uh, but then, like, Underground 2, it, it just became too cartoonish. Uh, there were too many different types of random objectives to the point where it wasn't even skating anymore, like you said. It's like there was one where you just uh, driving a car and things like that and and doing the whole, like, jackass thing of, like, trying to injure yourself. And uh, it just, it, it didn't, I don't know, it wasn't Tony Hawk to me. Like, it just was not that kind Damn. of game. Uh, after that, I think, did we both skip American Wasteland? I played um, American Wasteland. I played, uh, and I, I don't really have anything remarkable to say. And, and I can't tell you what the problem was. It's just when it came back from Underground to, uh, it just wasn't the same. Uh, I my I don't know if I had gotten. I don't know if I'd grown out of it, uh, which I'm gonna say probably not because I still loved playing through these, and I was super hyped about the remake coming around. Um, I I just I feel like. They lost a big step. They didn't really innovate anything else after that. Uh, I think uh, American Wasteland was the one with the node load time gimmicks, which you know kind of went against the uh, what I was saying about these early games, where there's no wasted room. Uh, you know, everything that's there, it's there for a reason. Uh, but this was so assets could load in the background. Uh, and it was just a very boring experience. I don't know if that was a reaction to people saying Underground 2 was was too over the top. It's like, all right, let's just make a fucking plain Jane, really kind of boring, nothing special Tony Hawk game. Um, but after American Underground, I, I don't know. I didn't really get back on after that. I know other ones... Uh, came and went after that, but I, you know, didn't even try another one after that. Yeah. American, uh, wasteland, American uh, wasteland. Yes. Yes. Uh, that one was that they tried to do like a period piece in like kind of like the eighties punk scene, yeah. you know, back when, and that was interesting, but like just the rest of the game, uh, I, I didn't even, I was like, nah, I think I'll skip this one. Cause it came out at a weird time. It was like the end of the, uh, uh, the PlayStation Two days, I believe, and it was it kind of, I think they had it launched on the 360 with a like an upscaled version of it or something. I don't know, but I I just never played it. And then the next one I played was Project Eight, which was like that was like the full on next gen 360 PS3 version of Tony Hawk, dumbest name ever. I think it was just like a a beta name that it had like been leaked or something, and I just went with it or something. It, but mm. Uh, it's it tried to do some cool stuff. It was like a, a big open world that's kind of been blocked off uh, until you do like missions and, and objectives to unlock the next part of town. And it was it was pretty cool. Like its big gimmick was that you could do uh, like the Matrix with the skateboard now, like whenever you um, did like your super or whatever the fuck it was, Matrix mode, it zoomed in on the skateboard and slowed it down. And then you could do like all of these tricks and things with the with the control, the sticks. And like that was that was really neat. I I enjoyed that game. I didn't think the open world was was very interesting, but like a lot of the stuff that you can do and and just the stuff they did with it was neat. And I was really looking forward to what they could do with a sequel to that, because again, that seems like the logical next step of like this cool open world, mission based kind of thing. And then they did 
ride. And that was it. <laughs> that was the end of Tony Hawk. Boy, I tell you what, that thing collected some dust on every shelf it sat on in stores around here. I, I never played it because I just I'm not into to stuff like that. I wasn't into the motion controls of the Wii and last thing I wanted to do was put down a, a you know, wireless skateboard on my on my floor and, and try to, you know, fall around playing Tony Hawk Ride and by all I by all accounts it was not a good game. I like I, said, no, I never played uh, it. Yeah. So I the reviews were terrible for it. So yeah, that was that was generally the last I played of Tony Hawk until this or not that I did I just skipped it. But I hadn't played Tony Hawk until this generation when they did Tony Hawk. And I don't know if either of you played that one. Did not. But it was terrible. <laughs> uh, it was it was just this awful. Isn't it, fr isn't it frustrating? It's like you you think about it it's as simple as these games were. It's like how fucking hard is it? Yeah, this and this seems like it tried to do that. Like it tried to go back to the original Tony Hawk with like you know the not. It's not like an open world anymore. It's skate parks and they've got their own objectives mm -hmm. and things like that. But it's just like if you, I don't know if you if you told a person that doesn't even like skateboarding or Tony Hawk to like all right, look at this game and now make your own. Mm. And that's what you ended up with. There's like no heart to it. There's no soul. It's just like this very, it, it's just skateboarding around and, and doing like these, it's, it's the off-brand Tony Hawk, essentially. Yeah. Like you could call this like Tony, I don't know, hack or something. I don't know. Mm. Just put a different letter in a different way and, you know, ship it from China. And that's what you get. That's what that's this it. feels like it. It just feels like a, a super off-brand Dollar General store version of Tony Hawk, but uh, but this this new one, I I don't know if either of you play the demo, mm -hmm. uh, this remake mm -hmm. that's coming out. Man, it feels good. Like this is this is the Tony Hawk that I've been wanting to play forever. Yeah, and and hopefully and I love I love the fact they put one and two together, um, and, and I'm just hopeful. I, I hope it does go well. Uh, I hope that the game itself continues to to be faithful, and, and fucking I am all for a a Tony Hawk Pro Skater resurgence. I fuck crank out three four after that. Uh, maybe go somewhere, go a different direction after that. Don't give me Underground One and Two, um, but no, I am really looking forward to it. Uh, it, it really, I was already hyped up, you know, through the fucking roof for this remake coming, but just playing through these old ones, playing through the original one and two uh, has me even more excited and I, I am and not done with it. Um, I had, had started a, a career mode of my, my creative skater into uh, that I'm actually going to see through uh, further to the end. I've got to get that Spider-Man back out. Billy, imagine a new Tony Hawk's Underground but it's with all the new, like, just current skaters from back then, like, featured now. Like, yeah. you've got, like, Fat Bam Margera, Margera <laughs> whatever. Every now and then, you, like, you you do the button, the the input for the move, and they're like, eh. Yeah. I don't fucking do I can't do that anymore, kid. I don't fucking do that anymore. That's the underground I want back. But, yes, this new <laughs> this new Tony Hawk. Uh I, I would totally love to see a, a resurgence of like classic Tony Hawk. And it seems like that's exactly what they needed to do with, with one and two here is like that. This is it. If you're going to get in a, a group of us back to, to play Tony Hawk again, this is how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had no interest in this remake until we played these again. And now, I mean, I know Billy just said he's going to go back and finish his his career mode, but I, I'm I'm just going to wait for this remake, and I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to play it, and I'm going to like it. In fact, the a, a, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, who has not bought a new system since the PS2, is buying a PS4 specifically for this game only. And he will have that hooked up in his house, and that's the only game he will own. And he's very excited that, about it. So that, there is a market for this. right there. there. Yeah, there's a market I, I didn't realize because I had forgotten how much fun they are. These, these are a lot of yeah. fun, and, uh, and if they can stick to what made this a lot of fun and, and not branch out crazy or try to make the get moves more complex or something, then I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm excited to see what this new game mm-hmm. is going to play like. That let's bust bam out of rehab mission. <laughs> yes. You gotta do a trick the entire way. You can't break your combo on the way. That's our thoughts on the original Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 for the PlayStation. Again, in honor of the new upcoming uh, remaster that's coming out. Was it, you know, will are they worth looking at? Uh, I don't know if they're worth playing since the remake's coming, but uh, if you still have them, they're still a ton of fun, and that remake looks really good as well. So oftentimes people say, hey, we have a question for you. How can we get you our question? And there's a couple different ways. You could write to us via mail. I don't know how it would get to us easily if you just write Retrovaniacs on an envelope and put it in the post office box. It will not get to us. You can also join our Patreon, which is always found in the description of this podcast, but also on all of our other social media sites. Or the easiest way to find not only uh, a link to that Patreon, a link to all our social media, and a way to send us a question is to go to Retrovania.net, where at the very bottom of the page, underneath all of our content, there is a question form, and you can write any question you have, and it will come directly to us, and we will answer it on the show like we're going to do right now. And that's exactly what Joey M. did, and he's here to talk about Tomb Raider. Mm. Just enjoyed your latest episode on Tomb Raider. Every time a Jeremy said the word Laura, I felt myself <laughs> inching closer to a nosebleed. Will you guys pledge on air to never spend an entire show mispronouncing a famous game character's name again? You will be saving at least one listener from a ba- brain hemorrhage. What the fuck, guys? I mean, yeah, this is where... Uh, come on, I, if I, I take a responsibility, if I was here, I would have corralled these fellas. Um, I don't know. That that's awful, awful disrespectful. That's such a legendary game character. It's almost like you completely disregarded her, like the rest of the world did once fucking Uncharted came out. So wait a minute. How do you say we were saying Laura Croft, but apparently, and I listened to the to the audio in the game again. It's Laura Croft, right? Yes, it is. It is Laura, and this is the Lara. second time that I have ever been corrected for saying Laura, or saying Lara. sorry, saying Laura and not Laura. In my entire life, they sound exactly the same friend. to me. I don't know what the problem I, is. It's it's a word when I say it, I I can I can have to say it different. When I feel like I'm saying Laura, I'm even saying that wrong because it doesn't feel right. Yes, the, I, but you know, I come from the South where I can't actually pronounce anything correctly. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's that's a problem I have with most names. I uh, so I apologize Laura. if we have just not you know lived up to what your expectations of, of saying Lara. I, it's something that actually occurred to me after we did the episode because um, I was like, oh my God, we just spent that entire episode just saying Laura. Yeah. But I, I was like, there's no one ever, ever will notice that. 
Well, we were wrong. Someone did notice enough we to write wrong. us a letter. And I also can't promise it's not going to happen again because I, again, I thought that's how you said it. And I, I've been saying it wrong entirely. And it still sounds wrong when I say it the right way. Uh, and unfortunately, if we ever have a game that involves the word C-A-U-L-K, I can't say that in any useful way either. I just say it like cock, and that's apparently wrong. So hopefully there's not a game that involves that. Otherwise, you know, I, I'll try my best. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I just mispronounce daily and, and don't even think about it. Uh, I, I believe on a very early episode, I was called out for calling the city of uh, uh, Louisville, Louisville, because that's just how you say this. You, if you're me, you just say Louisville. You don't say Louisville. <laughs> I like the argument uh, if, that if, if it's you, that's how you say it. That's any <laughs> anything you ever I mean, say wrong just, is that argument. I'm not the yeah. only person that says Louisville. All right, I. But yes, that is no. I'm I'm gonna one. say that I do also. Uh, you know, let's get in the car, head on down Louisville real quick. Yeah, like I said, I'm from the South, and like it is, we have issues pronouncing things the correct way. <laughs> but uh, Laura, no one, I don't think here in in the U.S. That is, I, I'm guessing that's a very British thing. Uh, saying Laura, uh, but here, Laura. Uh, you know, it's it is Laura, Laura. But there's a U in it, and, and I, there's not a U in her. Yes, name. so that's our there's fault. There's a U. That, I yes. apologize. So um, yes, I I will go out of my way in the future if we ever say uh, Laura again. That's that's how I will pronounce it. So uh, I hope you did not have a brain hemorrhage and and can actually hear this. Anyway, our next question comes in from Jonathan M. And he's talking about, well, we're talking about Tomb Raider again, but it's talking about Angel of Darkness. Really enjoyed the Tomb Raider episode. Thanks for finally covering one of my all-time favorite series. It was quite fun reliving the, reliving the glory that was the original Tomb Raider game, Jagged Edges and all. I was patiently waiting for one of you to eviscerate Tomb Raider Angel of Darkness, though but it was quickly glossed over. So I was curious if any of you ever spent time with what many Tomb Raider fans consider the downfall of the series, a game so awful that it nearly killed one of the most popular game series on Earth. Either way, thanks for, either way, thanks again for covering everyone's favorite PlayStation poster girl. I, you know, I, I probably would have, but I, I can't say that I ever played it. Um, I played several of the Tomb Raider games. Uh, I will honestly say um, I did not play a good Tomb Raider game until they remade them back, like, what, 2016? Um, just, uh, and, and I wasn't there for the Tomb Raider review. I probably would have said that not a fan of the Tomb Raider series in general. So, no, Angel of Darkness I have heard, and it has appeared on several uh, lists and those lists are usually uh, describing uh, very shitty games. So I, I can only imagine. Yeah, I think I said in the last episode, I've only really played the first Tomb Raider and a little bit of the second one and then the reboot. Uh, so I, I missed all those middle Tomb Raiders, mainly because by the time I had played the second one, I was like, yeah, I've already done this. I did it before with the first one. I'll come back to it later. And they were pumping them out every year. And frankly, I had other games to play. Uh, lots of them, unfortunately, way too many of them. So I, I didn't give those other games a chance at all, because uh, I was already bored with that format, uh, since they all seem to be kind of the same, uh, at least with the PlayStation era. And I'm, I'm basically the same. Like I said on the on the podcast, like I kind of checked out mostly after Tomb Raider 3. Uh, it didn't seem like they were doing too much with it, uh, at least as like advancing it. And then Angel of Darkness came around, and I think I think that was around the time the movies the movie came out. Uh, I could be wrong. I don't know. But it seemed like the game itself uh, was trying to make her more like an action 
star of some sort. You know, it wasn't trying to be the whole go into tombs and raid them like the first three games were. It was more like let's let's have crazy slick action scenes in the city and and do all this stuff, and then maybe later on in the game we'll finally get to that tomb that you want to raid. Uh, but that's just what it kind of came off as to me. So I didn't play it. I did. I just completely skipped it. And I, the the game that I played next, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was the first uh, Tomb Raider that was released on the 360. Uh, that was kind of a reboot of the series. It wasn't like the what the 20 whatever reboot of it that that everyone kind of knows. It was the one that was the reboot before the reboot. Oh yeah, they try. Yeah, they tried. Yeah, and I, I, I genuinely, I thought though that reboot series, it was the one that had Underworld in it. It was the, I think that was the the last of that reboot series. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed that series. I thought it actually took it back to like a decent idea of what Tomb Raider was supposed to be, and like the the newer reboot kind of built more off of that, just more story focused. But yeah, I I never played Angel of Darkness, and I from all the things that I have seen about it, it's probably a good thing I never actually played it because I may have never given Tomb Raider another chance after that. All right, our final question actually comes in from Kev, and guess what it's about? It's about Tomb Raider. Wow. Yeah, and he's uh, he writes in to say after listening to your Tomb Raider episode, I was amazed at how much I had actually forgotten about that time period when the game came out. And for better or worse, the thing I remember most was the crazy amount of sexual sex, sex, I can't say this word. This is is what happens when you come from the Midwest or the South. Sexualization. Mm. There we go. Lara was subjected to almost instantly. You couldn't go on the Internet for years without seeing hundreds of different nude raider patches or depictions of Lara in just about every sexually explicit scene you could imagine. And for the life of me, I can't think of any other female video game characters since then that elicited that large of a response, even though there have been dozens upon dozens of female game characters featured in games since that are always way more sexualized than Lara ever was. So what was the appeal of our girl Lara? Why was she single-handedly responsible for the sexual awakenings of an entire gaming generation all at once? Thanks for answering, and big thanks for your podcasting duties. Kevin. You know, I know that was a thing. Um, I had a couple of friends who were uh, exploring the the myth that there was a a nude patch. And at the same time, there was a certain point in a level uh, where it was a bunch of fucking complexities to get this code to work. There was a a waterfall you had to jump on, a bunch of shit. Um, which I had already written off as that. Plus, I just, I don't know. I, I did not, for one, I can't say why her, um, when, I mean, there were several, I mean, there were several female characters. That I was a Chun-Li man myself, uh, but I don't know. And at the same time, uh, that's that's rough material. If you're a kid, that's what you've got. Man, because that's that's a pixelated mess up there on the screen. Uh, so I don't know uh, anybody that had that obsession at the time. Uh, I'm equal parts curious as to why that was the case, and I feel a little bad for them too. I think that they they had to sink to those depths, but she sure did. And that was one thing um, that that I was glad when they did do that. You know that reboot uh, and we're all currently 
enjoying that that series of games now uh where they did kind of tone it down uh she she's still an attractive young lady but they you know they made her realistically proportioned i guess i should say they they kind of took the that uh you know her her figure was was no longer the focal point and i don't know if it's because they went so overboard kind of that first game where they they allotted a a lot of pixels and made a pretty unrealistic figure by the end of it. I don't know. Um, plus, I mean, if we're talking about teenage boys, fucking, you know, fucking breeze rolls through. And it's all it takes for them. I, I don't know. I think it's a couple different things. One is, is exactly what you just said. It's teenage boys. And, and again, back in 1996, that was probably still the market they were aiming at. Uh, I know now... Uh, and honestly, probably then as well. But, you know, there are a lot more girls and women who play video games than there were mm-hmm. in my mind, uh, especially from selling games in 1995-96. There were it was all kids and boys and then teenagers. And, you know, there weren't a lot of girls that came in and bought a lot of games. However, the other thing I would say is the PlayStation. I recall the when the Sony PlayStation came out, it was such a shift in uh, the the kind of the market we were looking at for who would come in so for super nintendo and genesis and and everything before then and the 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 higher systems that came out before the playstation saturn included really were still targeting that that same gamer market but i think when the playstation came out it really opened up the market to people who never would have bought a game console and they started playing them with the PlayStation. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it was just that everything looked so amazing at the time. I mean, all the, the sports games that came out for it. Everyone's like, oh, these games, there's never been a better sports game than Madden 95 or whatever, 96, the first one that came out of the PlayStation. And uh, Final Fantasy VII when it came out, I know it was after this game, but it was another one that, like, people that never played a role-playing game because they had this PlayStation were now like, oh, yeah, I love role-playing games. I have Final Fantasy VII. And it was a whole bunch of people that never played a game like that. And I think Tomb Raider was kind of the same situation. First off, it was groundbreaking anyway, but it also had, you know, it was an early game on this system that had a much, much broader appeal for uh, for the media market than the, the previous systems did, I think. So I think you had a, kind of a surprise hit with Tomb Raider. I don't think they expected to be nearly as big as it was. And then you have people who are literally like, they want to watch a movie that's kind of like a game. So you have this female action star that they have given these weird giant triangle boobs and now you can put her in a playstation or i'm sorry a playboy spread and you can have a movie based on her that's going to have uh angelina jolie play her you know i mean they they made her after the first game came out kind of this this sex symbol and i don't know quite why but it it makes sense logically looking back at the time yeah i i I, yeah (laughs) i I, it's weird to think uh, about back then i know we talked a little bit about it in, in the actual podcast but like it just seemed like she just took off instantly like there was there was no like cool you know everyone was just like whatever but maybe a month after it came out and suddenly laura croft was i'm sorry laura croft was the the hottest thing on earth and and that just kept going for forever and i i i even though i was a teen teenager at the time like i didn't quite get it myself like she was cool but in the game she has never like uh, uh, like overly sexualized she of course she wears tight fitting clothes but it's not anything like she's you know wearing something that's super sexual she doesn't ever like you know come on to anybody she's a very cool dry person uh and and like she seems like just you know she, she seems fine 
So I don't know if that played into anything with it. Like, oh, Laura's got this dark, sexy side that we just don't know about. But like, for the most part, she's she's always been really well done. Besides, you know, of course, just having giant boobs. And I, I guess maybe that was the one thing. But I, I, again, like the like he said, like there have been so many other female characters over the course of the years that have been so much more over-sexualized than what Lara Croft is. You know, you've got, what is it, Sophisha from Soul Calibur. Uh, you've got, like, all of these other fighting game characters that are just literally just sexed up for, you know, for no reason. Uh, and, and a lot of other characters, especially back in the 360 days and PS3 days, where they were just, you know, the female characters that were there were just literally, there's like, oh, there's some boobs. That's what we need. Uh, and, and really nothing more. But at least... Laura had something to her. There was something underneath all that. You know, she was obviously a very smart person. She could do all this. She was, you know, I hate to say she was a strong, independent female. But, you know, that's that's what it always came at, uh, out to. So I don't understand. I've never understood where all of that originally came from, besides just the fact that she was a girl in a video game that had big boobs. And maybe that's all it took back then, and that she was incredibly popular. So I don't know. I don't know, Kev. That's just, uh, you know, you had to kind of be there, and it was a weird time to be there. <laughs> so, uh, But, yes, mm -hmm. that's going to do it for questions. Um, again, if you'd write, like to write in and talk to us about Tomb Raider, I don't I don't know if I want to talk to you more about Tomb Raider. If you'd like to write in and ask us a question, uh, please do so at Retrovania.net. Please just go there, scroll all the way down to the bottom. We have a contact form. Fill that out. Send it to us, and through the magic of the Internet we'll receive it and we will actually read it on here. We will. And if you ask us more questions about how games have awakened people's sexuality, I have a whole stack of Sonic and Knuckles fanfic I'll read off. But until <laughs> then, we oh, will be available. <laughs> until then, you can find all of our videos and other podcasts. Also, our Patreon has bonus podcasts and, of course, some articles on recommending that. And we will see you next time. There's a place where everyone can be happy. It's my beautiful place in the whole